Osiris. Hey, this is Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters, and this podcast is part of the Osiris podcast family. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts connecting music fans with conversation, commentary, and music. Osiris works in partnership with Relics. Check them out for all kinds of new music, news, and information. Osiris. Welcome in to episode 69 of The Bluest Tape. I am Harvey Couch alongside... Jeff Kolak. And thanks for joining us as we take our weekly journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. Um, Jeff, uh, good week? It's been, it's been quite a week. Yeah. Uh, we're recording it on uh, Thursday the 16th, so obviously we were all... Saddened to uh, hear the news this morning of the passing of the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Okay. Uh, we, uh, at where I work at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, we have a theater marquee out front, and so we changed it to say, sadly, something we've had to do a lot over the last few years, which is a loving memory of insert name of musician mm-hmm. who has passed. And so we put that up first thing this morning, and a bunch of social media people and, and bloggers and types of came came by and took pictures of it and a bunch of friends and took came and took pictures of it. And we posted on our Instagram too and we got like, I don't know, fifteen hundred likes or something like that. But the big news for us was that a AP photographer took a picture of it and it got picked up by the Atlantic oh, wow. and used it as their as their main photo in their article about how Trump even screwed up his tribute to Aretha Franklin. <laughs> my lord wow congratulations Uh, on that you're you're now you're now fake news jeff i guess so but it was really something to see that uh later this afternoon of course i didn't see it my wife had to point it out to me but nonetheless uh so i'm looking forward to some angry tweets from the president over the weekend during uh, executive time (laughs) um yeah and then the other uh the other sort of I mean, we don't break much news here on the Blues Tape. Uh, you'll hear this probably four or five days after we record it. But um, you know, announced today that the Curveball Festival is not going to happen tonight, this weekend, which is I gotta I gotta imagine just heartbreaking for um, the you know tens of thousands of fish fans that were headed to Watkins Glen this weekend a bunch probably already there and the band was there and all their gear was set up and they were getting ready to do their sound check. Don't they do like a big sound check jam or something before festival starts? So yeah, I mean, you know, again, obviously the scale is not to the size of like, obviously the Watkins Glen show 73 or Woodstock certainly, but just imagine that being canceled last minute. Yeah. I mean, honestly, (laughs) yeah. Or like Bonnaroo or Lockin or jazz fest or something. It's just like, you know, um, well, not even, I mean, at least Jazz Fest, you're still in New Orleans, <laughs> you know, and it's mostly locals. It's not like people, you know, making a pilgrimage to, you know, the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. And I you know, really feel bad for all of our, you know, our compatriots from, from Osiris. Like, had a huge, 
you know, I think they had an RV and they were going to do things like all day, every day with relics. And like, I mean, so they had like a schedule set up for the whole weekend. And so I just, I feel terrible, um, for those guys. Yeah. So, um, hopefully, you know, fish does something bigger and better, I guess next year. I'm sure they will make up. I'm sure they'll make up for it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I am enjoying a very, a very fine beverage tonight. Uh, it is part of my, so I can say this because certainly my in-laws don't listen to this podcast and I'm quite certain that my wife doesn't either, but, um, we, she's from Connecticut and we go up to visit the in-laws probably about once a year and and they live about 45 minute drive from treehouse brewing which is probably my f- favorite brewery in all of the country and um so it has become like you know part of the deal that if i have to go up there and spend a week that i get you know one day to go to treehouse and you know buy a ton of beer and you know drink drink some there and bring a bunch home so, uh, so that is what I'm drinking tonight. I'm drinking a double ganger, uh, double IPA from, uh, from Treehouse. The doppelganger is their, is their main, well, one of their double IPAs. And this is, I guess, a twist on the doppelganger and it is quite tasty. You had a, uh, I want to hear what you're drinking tonight, but then you had a, you had a beer trip yourself last week, huh? So I'm I'm back I'm back slumming it again. Well, actually, I don't think it's slumming it, but I'm back on my uh, platinum seven X seven X distilled. So you know that it's good <laughs> vodka and uh, diet seven up. Okay. So and there's a whole story behind classing that. up the joint. Um, but uh, classing up the but you, that is the uh, that is if there is a house cocktail in our place and has been for the longest time. It is probably the uh, rail vodka and. Uh, Actually, this is probably well. I think platinum is probably well. So we'll say well vodka mm. and diet soda of some. Um, and you well, you were in yes, uh, Nashville, I, I, right? I was, I was classy. Um, and we went on a uh, vacation, Sands Child, to Asheville, um, which was a great trip. Asheville is a pretty awesome town. Lots of good food, nice people, nice scenery, places, things to do outside. Stayed at a great Airbnb. Um, there are seemingly like 117 breweries mm-hmm. in and around Asheville. Um, we went to nine, but we went to one three times. Which one did you go to three times? We went to Burial three times. Oh, good call. Nice. Yes, Burial was the first on the list because of the type of types of beers that I like. And um, first beer I tried there was, I forget the, the their, their fancy name for it, but it was their Baklava Brown, which is brown ale made with pistachios and cinnamon and mm. vanilla and some other spices. And it was pretty amazing. And then went back for lunch the next day and then went back again on Monday night and had their flagship IPA, which was super hazy and it was unbelievably good. Um, yeah. So that place was great. I mean, every, everywhere we went, I found at least one flavor that I liked. Uh, Romani Brewing uh, had a really interesting beer, Carolina Common, which is the common style of beer, which is a super old, mm-hmm. very old style of beer, an American style of beer that does have some corn in it. Um, 
which was around a lot in the um, 18th and 19th century. They made very few breweries make that, and they made one, and it would, that was super good. Um, have to say, though, that the best scenery goes to Zillacoa Brewing, which is kind of on the outskirts of town. It actually might not be in Asheville. It's on the other side of I-26. Um, but you're literally on the French Broad River. I think it was the French Broad River. Um, and they've just got the brewery and then a tap room and a few beers and a taco truck and a bunch of chairs on the river. And you just sit and the river is moving pretty fast because they had gotten a bunch of rain before we got to town. And man, it was talk about living. I mean, and it was nice and cool the last day we were there too. So it was great. I'll say, and not to turn this podcast into the, you know, Asheville beer podcast, which I'm certain that there is one, <laughs> but, um, the, I, I don't think you got a chance, but if, if you're ever traveling through that area, uh, um, I highly recommend a stop at the Sierra Nevada brewery. Um, I mean, I like Sierra Nevada is fine. I mean, I know they've, they've been around forever, but I, I can't, I don't even know how much money they spent building what they built. Uh, it's right next to the Asheville airport. So it's a little South of, of Asheville, but it's right on the interstate, whatever that is. I think it's 26 that heads South down to Spartanburg. Yeah. 26 down to Spartanburg. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's just like, I mean, just massive and a huge restaurant, um, really nice tap room. I mean, I think they have about like 18 or 20 like different variations on tap, you know, so styles that you never see in the bottle that they have there. And then like outside is like all, you know, terraced and like different patios and there's like a kid's area and like bocce course and outside bar. And then like um, an amphitheater, like grass Hill amphitheater. They have like free music every day. And then you can like go hike behind there and there's like a hiking trail down to an area down by the French Broad River that has like a, you know, a food truck and another bar. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just like a, you know, it's basically like Disney World for, for beer drinkers. It's really quite amazing. So um, if you ever have a chance, check that out. I, I think of Asheville as, I mean, it would be a great place to live, but, um, you know, considering that we both are sort of on a career path here in Kentucky, I, I feel like Asheville would be a great place to retire, you know, and just sort of play, you know, I mean, you just like sort of play and, you know, do cool things and not have to like, you know, work or anything. It, um, uh, Asheville is, I mean, I'm, you know, as I've said, and as you know, Harvey, I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. So the weirdness of Asheville reminded me of Madison, but there's a lot less people. So the concentration of the weirdness and the eccentricity, eccentricities, was a lot more intense, um, but lots of really good places to eat. I just the irony of a lot of it is it's good. It's Asheville is gerrymandered into two congressional and surrounding area gerrymandered into two congressional districts that are represented by two of the most conservative members of Congress. So it's very, very weird to think about how liberal the city is itself and how they're represented in the uh, House of Representatives. Um. Okay, cool. And uh, did you, did you, is, is that going to be your recommendation for the week? Is that, is going to Asheville and drink beer or did you have anything else? Well, I have another recommendation, which is also timely and, but it might take me a while to get through. So I'll okay. try to be. Do you want to um, save it for next week or? Well, it's somewhat timely. Okay. Um, so I'll just mention it. And if it goes, and if you can cut me off. And maybe I'll cut myself off. But 
I was a uh, I was a judge. Oh, I wanted to ask you about this. This is fantastic. Please yeah. proceed. In the ultimate Elvis tribute artist competition at Graceland over the weekend, which is it's Elvis week. It started last week. Um, of course, that's around the anniversary of Elvis's death, which is also August sixteenth. So the King and Rock, King of Rock and Roll, and the Queen of Soul both died on the same day. As did Baby Ruth. How's that freaking weird? Um, so anyway, the the big Elvis tribute artist competition. They're not impersonators. They're tribute artists. Is at Graceland every year, and I was lucky enough to be invited to judge the finals this year after judging the Last Chance Elvis Tribute Artist Competition the last three years. So I got I moved up. I went from like double A to the show. Basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I was I judged Friday night. We had uh, eighteen competitors, and we had to narrow it down to ten. And then I, I did interviews with the ten finalists on the Saturday morning. And then I judged the finals on Sunday night, and there's a lot I could say about it, and but I, I I will keep a lot of my thoughts to myself. But I will say that it is one of the thoroughly one of the one of the most thoroughly enjoyable experiences I've had. And for those of you that have not seen an Elvis tribute artist or haven't seen a good Elvis tribute artist, um, you you can sort of pigeonhole these guys as as hacks, as posers, as not talented, as ripoff artists, whatever you want to call them. Um, you might still think that after you see these guys, but it's they're really a sight to behold. They're, the level of detail and care and a- accuracy that they put into their performances and their costumes and their hair. Yes, they wear a lot of makeup. Yes, not everybody has real sideburns or real hair for that matter. But there is a lot that goes into it. And what we really found in our interviews was how, I wouldn't say all of them, but a lot of them were really self-aware of who they are, what they're doing, how they communicate, the legacy that they're trying to celebrate, um, how people view them, um, and how they are creating new memories, but also helping bring back old memories for people too. But it was, we got to see about half of them outside of their, of their ETA costume, essentially, out of their look. ETA for those uninitiated uh, Elvis tribute artists, is that right? Elvis tribute artists, yes. They're ETA. And so, but a lot of them are just dudes. Like, they just are guys that have, you know, sandy brown hair, might be a little bald on top, and just sort of unassuming guys. And one guy is a, um, makes outdoor furniture in Louisiana, and he's a draftsman and a welder. Another guy, you know, some of these guys do it full time. Um, they have big fan followings. They can go all over the world and, and, and do Elvis. And they this is the first one I had done where they performed with a live band, which was very cool to see actually how they interacted with the band and, of course, interacted with the crowd and stuff. So the gentleman that won was a guy named Ben Thompson from England, who this was his sixth ultimate ETA competition. He got second his first year, but had struggled the last few years. Um, he was great. I mean, all the finalists are really good. Um, a lot of times they're choosing, obviously they're choosing jumpsuit era Elvis. They're choosing Vegas era Elvis. Um, and a lot of times they pick that because vocals are double worth double the points or double the weight of the other categories. So they choose big songs when Elvis's voice was more thoroughly developed and he was singing big songs like hurt and unchained melody 
and you gave me a mountain and how great thou art and some of these other things. And so, I mean, these guys can really sing, but you know, they're just, they, they just kind of, most of them just do Elvis. They don't really do other music. Um, so it's just, it's a, it's fascinating. If you ever get the chance to come to Memphis for Elvis week, highly recommend going. It will be an eye-opening experience, but it will be one that you thoroughly enjoy. So I loved it. My wife, uh, my wife's birthday is on August 10th. Our anniversary is on August 13th. This is the fourth Elvis week we've been a part of, and we've celebrated her birthday or our anniversary for four consecutive years at an Elvis tribute artist competition. So I know how to treat a lady, Harvey. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I need to get down there for that sometime. Tells me it's pretty amazing. I mean, they, um, they had the they had the vigil on the night of the fifteenth into the sixteenth, which is the anniversary of his death, and that goes most of the night. And that is also a real trip. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's you know there's a big auction and there's a lot of live music around town. Dale Watson did an Elvis tribute thing this year for the first time. He just moved here to town not that long ago, and so there's some there's some cool stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that will make you sort of your brow and wonder but for the most part um it's just interesting you know it's interesting to be part of something that is that people take very seriously and it's near to dear near and dear to them and they view it without any any hint of irony <laughs> so it, but, uh, but yeah that was that's that's my recommendation um i'm guessing uh ren elvis was not there Ren Elvis was not there. Elvez was not there. The Latino Elvis. Um, there were a lot of guys from Canada and some, a couple, one from England um, and one guy from Brazil who was very good, who um, had left his career as a medical malpractice lawyer and now does everything. Um, not make if, if you want to um, go back to episode 46, uh, you can check out uh, Panic's um, experience with a uh, Elvis tribute artist uh, the fantastic Ren Elvis uh, from 1994 in Charlotte with the can't help falling in love chili water duo so uh, if you missed that the first time around that was our Valentine's Day spectacular earlier this year episode 46 so um, all right well, you want to tell the uh, good folks what our uh, what the theme is this week or yeah, actually, we um, this is a fan-recommended theme for us this week. I'm sure yeah. many of you are wondering, episode 69, I bet they'll do something super cool. Um, uh, not in those terms, guys, so stop that way. We did that for Valentine's Day. Um, but this one is was submitted by friend of the pod, Chad Coates, um, of Nashville, Tennessee. Correct, Harvey? Yeah, yeah. And, and he recommended to us some time ago, and he probably even forgot that he sent us the email. I know. I dug this email out, and you, you pointed out that I had received this in November, and I feel sort idea. of... Yeah, I can't believe you held on to it. I know, so I know. But we, I think it was easier to come up with themes back in November, so... Yeah, uh, yeah we're still fresh. But this is a, a great theme, and this is what Chad and his friend have called random jams. And so these are some... Uh, uh, Unexpected jams unexpected. is what it says. How about that? Unexpected yeah. jams where you might look at a set list and you might just kind of shrug your shoulders and be like, huh, down into weak, weak brain, narrow mind. Probably not that interesting. 
And then he actually listened to it and it's like, oh my God, that down is 11 minutes long. So it's actually a really great theme. He suggested what, about eight or nine shows mm-hmm. and segments. Um, and some of the ones we don't have this week, I would think we, we, we might get to in the future. Um, yeah, no, I think all of these are really good. Um, but there were several that stuck out to me that were from the year 2000. And I guess sort of being fresh off our conversation with uh, Sam Holt talking about, um, you know, how his impression of this of sort of the emotional state of the band in 2000, that just things seem to be really clicking for them and everybody having fun. And I think it really does show um, in, in the playing. So I thought it was kind of cool to kind of merge those things together this week. Yeah, and we've got some really, really good stuff. Some things that I had, I will admit that I had heard before, and some, a couple that I had not. And mm-hmm. we're going to start at, right at the end of spring tour um, with a trip back to North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and the House of Blues, which, as we know from 97 and 98, and certainly 1999, is a pretty special place for the band and the thing that they, uh, the, the things that they've been known to do there. And 2000 was really no exception to that either. And we're yeah. get going right at the start of the second set. And then uh, and we'll play another segment right after that from um, summer tour uh, at Red Rocks. And so uh, the second night, I think of three at Red Rocks, June 24th, the uh, second set opener from that show as well.
few segments from the year 2002, you know, pretty, uh, I would say, relatively well-known uh, segments. The first from the third night of three uh, at Myrtle Beach in May 4th, 2000. The second set opener, uh, Sharon into All Time Low. Uh, and then the second one from June 24th, 2000, the Saturday night show uh, in the middle of a three-night run at Red Rocks. Second set opener there, give uh, into Pigeons uh, into a jam and then back into Pigeons, basically. And so um, you heard a pretty big sort of uh, unexpected jam out of Sharon. And then again, uh, an unexpected jam in the middle of pigeons. Um, so, uh, well, I definitely heard these segments before and I mean, you know, we're familiar, you know, familiar with them both to sort of listen to them in the, um, you know, having the perspective of this sort of like unexpected jam theme, I thought sort of add a little bit, a uh, little bit of color to it for me. Yeah, the the pigeons one is the one that really just comes out of nowhere, um, right? You know, it's just sort of a switch gets flipped somewhere, and like, oh, let's do this, and let's play like we. I mean, it just you listen to that clip, and it's just it it's so hot. <laughs> it's hot, but it can't. I couldn't think of another time when they had played like that. Yeah, I was trying to. I listened to it probably three times. And it's just, I love the, it just breaks, there's this breakdown, it gets all dissonant, and then they just pull it back together, and they just, it just starts to roar, and then they bring it back into Pigeons, and Pigeons is a heavy song as it is, but man, that was, it was great, and there's a really great YouTube clip um, of this with a really amazing sound, so I recommend folks check it out. Um, yeah, it was, I, well, I assume it is, that, that was a, that was... I was, yeah. That was, um, I think it was an extra on Live at Oak Mountain or The Earth Will Swallow You, one of the two, because uh, I know the Hansons, Jeff Hansen and Chris Hansen filmed that night at Red Rocks for a multi-camera release. Like, I think instead of Oak Mountain, they were going to do that show. And I don't know if maybe the band wasn't super happy about the playing overall. And then they decided to give it another go at Oak Mountain in August. I think that's the story. Um, I'll have to ask Jeff, but I think that's the story. But they had all this footage from this night. And so they, I think from the, I think it was in the Oak Mountain DVD release, they put this Pigeons um, multi-camera, you know, uh, bit in it. And it is, yeah, it is so good. So um, I assume that's the same thing that's on um, YouTube. In fact, if you ever, if you, if you have the DVD of the live at Oak mountain, I think it's like, um, I mean, this was super advanced for whatever this was, 2001, probably when it came out, but you could watch the pigeons and like actually choose the camera angle, like in real time as you watched it by like pressing a button on your DVD player remote. Yeah. So it should still work if you, if anybody has a DVD player anymore, <laughs> but um, it was like, you know, an interactive feature or something, which was kind of cool. So, um, 
but it was, you know, it was good, good choice of music for sure. So yeah, no, I was, this is my one time, one trip to Red Rocks was this run. Um, and, uh, the, the, the show that sticks out the most to me was the third show, the Sunday show. Um, and I think we played some of that in our Red Rocks episode last year. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a rainbow and, you know, rain during Hatfield and a rainbow during the driving stop, go driving. And, um, you know, like some long may you live lyrics during postcard and the encore. I mean, that was a pretty magical show, but, um, there was lots of really good playing earlier that weekend. And this is, I would say a highlight this pigeons for sure. Well, let's head on into our next segment of, of two shows uh, again from 2001 from right at the end of summer tour. We take a trip down to Oak mountain for one of the three shows they did there. And then fall tour, uh, middle of the fall tour after the, the great run in new Orleans and the brief stop for Austin city limits in Austin. And then the LA show on 11, uh, November 2nd with Robbie Krieger, they head up the coast to San Francisco for a two night run at the Bill Graham civic auditorium. And the segment from this one is, uh, from this show on the fourth is from the first set. So both these segments are actually from the middle of first sets. And again, um, the first one, especially totally something that if you just see it on paper, you're, you're going to ignore unless you're a really big fan of Todd singing. <laughs> Um, and then the one from November 4th, um, there's a couple songs in there that you probably are like, yeah, I like those tunes. That's probably pretty good, but you don't really get the full grasp of what's going on until you hear it. So we'll start things off with August 2000 at Oak Mountain, and then we'll finish it up with November 4th, 2000 from San Francisco. Take a lot of your favorite 
All right, that was two segments from the year 2000, Unexpected Jams, uh, August 11th, 2000, from the middle of the first set, down into Weak Brain, Narrow Mind from Oak Mountain and Pelham, Alabama. And then an absolute monster of a segment, November 4th, 2000, from the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium in San Francisco. After sort of a, eh, opener, um, Wondering into Genesis, into Henry Parsons Died, followed up by This Part of Town, into Blackout. And when we were talking about this show or texting about this show earlier in the week, you mentioned how it's just relentless. And it's a pretty, and that's a pretty accurate depiction of it because they just don't, there's just nothing straightforward about any of these five songs. Right. Now, all of them have something like interesting happening. Um, The jam from wandering into Genesis is awesome. The jam from Genesis into Henry Parsons died is awesome. I was playing this in the kitchen before we, we got started and I left the room and I left when this part of town started i came back and this part of town was still going and i don't know if there's any other time when that's happened where i've left the room (laughs) for six minutes and come back and this part of town is still going i mean the jam out of that just rips so i don't know what it was but it is just i mean it's i sound really fanboyish but god it's just it's killer it is so good and so intense and it's just the next episode we've got some things some stuff and I'll be playing a clip from 99, which with some stretched out versions of, uh, of some songs too, but the feel is totally different. A lot of these songs, especially in 2000 where you might see a jam out of a song or something that heads into drums and it's sort of slow and nice and jams are sort of slow and nice and uh, slow down a little bit and ease on into the other songs. Um, there's none of that here. It's just straightforward, full on, and and, and great. Um, I want to try to pull up the lengths of the songs because they just like they're kind of out of control. This whole show. I mean, especially in the second set too. But um, yeah, I mean, I just yeah, it's so good. I mean, it's so good. Like I know I listened to the show before. It's the second night of two. Um, but I just don't remember it like being this sort of stellar, you know, I mean, it's great. It's a really good set list. And so, but I just, I guess I never like listened with intention, you know, and, um, it really, I mean, yeah. And so I'm really glad that, 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 um, uh, Chad made the suggestion and I dug into this cause it, it's just, yeah, it's great. And, um, so I highly recommend if you haven't listened to this show, just go and listen to the second set too, because you just, you hear a band that's just, um, just firing on all cylinders. And, um, there's a, um, like a Charlie Miller mix that just sounds awesome. And the band is dialed in and, um, yeah, it's good. It's really, really good didn't think charlie miller would slum it with widespread panic i know right well i don't know that he did yeah i mean it's it's a sennheiser uh nakamichi um mix so like basically four mic mix and uh it says recorded and mixed by charlie miller so wow Look uh, at that. yeah uh for those of you so that don't know charlie miller is the 
maestro behind a lot of remastered uh, Grateful Dead stuff on archive.org and a ton of zero, live zero stuff from the 90s to kind of Outlast. So good source of quality music. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's basically like, you know, the in the second set, you know, the there's a floozy opener, there's a nine-minute Ophelia, a 17-minute Hatfield, um, the first half of Surprise Valley is eight and a half minutes, porch songs, 11 and a half, drums, they come back with uh, Surprise Valley, and then Old Joe... <laughs> But yeah, it's not it's not a terrible position, you know, it's better than an encore. Yeah. No, right. Yes, right. Twenty eight minute old Joe and then um My Space Wrangler. Mark Star teases, I'm sure. Right. Space Wrangler, Fishwater, and then uh down imitation leather shoes, and then a second encore of City of Dreams. Um and it does say there's a China Cat fl- Sunflower tease by Dave before drums, so that's out of a porch song. But anyway, yeah, no, this is really good. But um, not to take out away anything from the from the Oak Mountain segment, which is really good too. It was a really nice, really nice jam out of Down into Weak Brain, and um, for that to be the first set of a three night show, three night run, you know, things are definitely um, you know cooking for them at that point at the end of the summer. Well. Thanks to uh, our good friend, Chad Coates, friend of the pod. Did you tell Chad that we were doing his theme this week, Harvey? Uh, no, I didn't. I mean, I hope that he still uh, listens because he oh, hadn't, you know. Yeah, I hope he still listens. Because it's uh, been almost a year since he sent it. So. I hope he didn't give up and didn't say, screw those guys, and uh, moved on to, you know, ominous sea pods or something like that. If he... Uh... <laughs> Are those guys even still around? I mean, is that a... I think so. I think okay. them or Mo- I was gonna, I was going to go with them or Moonboot Lover. I couldn't decide. Um, but yeah, no, I'll have to reach out and let him know that we're doing the show, and hopefully he's still in Nashville. Maybe he'll be at the Panic shows uh, in a few weeks, and we can uh, we can meet up. I can give him a blues tape sticker. <laughs> you are uh, so you getting primed for your for your weekend in Nashville uh, for your Sam Holt band and your widespread panic time. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty excited. It's How a couple weeks away. One. What's that? Are you going to one or two shows? Three shows? What are you doing? I I am going to do the plan now is to to go down after work on Friday in time to to catch the Sam Holt band show on Friday night after the panic show and then go to the panic show on Saturday and then uh, come home on Sunday. Nice. So um, that's about the most amount of time I can get, you know, 48 hours away from two children is about as good as I can do. I think we'll have more information about Harvey Simon Nashville. And, but if you do see him, um, he does blend in well, but he will have a lot of bluest tape, bluest tape stickers on him. I need something. I mean, you know, you and Jamie Syrick always had the red hats. You know, <laughs> I need I need something that can you know be easily identified in the crowd for people to come find me. You want me to send you my red UNLV hat that I wore? No, no, I really don't. No, no. D- Speaking of dominant basketball programs, did did you happen to catch any of Kentucky's trip to the uh, Bahamas? 
no, last I week. I've been too focused on Memphis trying to beat uh, UK in recruiting wars for eighteen nineteen. So let's just let's live in the present, Jeff. Um, they're gonna they are really good. I mean, I know I say this every year, um, but they they're really good this year. So it should be a fun season. They're super long. They can shoot it. They've got scores. They have some experience because they have some guys that came back. PJ Washington looks like leaner and faster and stronger. And um, Quaddy Green's back. And uh, Nick Richards has a jump shot now. And um, yeah, I I I like I like our team this year. Well, thanks for that breakdown, Harvey, of UK basketball. Some three months early. Um, I'll have an in-depth breakdown of the University of Memphis when the time comes to because I'm sure um, your team will be in the top 10 and my team will probably be uh, hopefully sniffing the top 25. So I'm just, I'm just, We're I'm, expecting I'm, I'm, big I'm interested. I'm interested, Jeff, like since this is your, your, is this your third college basketball team? Is there a point where you have to, stop following one i mean is there a maximum number of college football or college basketball teams that you can root for i met my i think i met well let's are you at, i would think the three is a max right yeah, i mean it's the max. i would say okay. indiana has fallen off the page a little bit just because the distance from the state and not being there and um you know still longing for uh, mike davis to be head coach uh-huh. you know things like that uh, okay I'm, but uh, expecting big things from IU this year, too, with Romeo Langford, and uh, hopefully they can get things turned around. And Wisconsin should be better. Probably still won't be that great, um, but hopefully they'll be better, at least for my parents' sake, since they are now season ticket holders for 26 consecutive seasons. So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully they've had a good run, obviously, with, what, 18 straight years in the tournament, but it sort of came to an end last year. But. Wait, we were talking about college basketball when we should be talking about college football, which we're going to be doing next week with our, uh, what I guess we can say annual college football preview, but we'll definitely have a different spin on it this year than we did last year. Yeah. So um, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, definitely, you know, stay in touch. Hopefully it won't, you know, if you have a show idea, it won't take us nine months to get to it. Um ne- next time but uh shoot us an email hit us up on twitter or facebook blueestape.com and appreciate any support you can provide and uh tell your friends about it go to itunes rate the podcast so folks can uh can find out about it and uh yeah so um hope to see everybody in nashville and hope to talk to you guys next week osiris This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com. at this carnival just a few years ago no big deal ferris wheel same old stuff you know 
And I wandered around the grounds until I found this little tent. Man outside made a speech, and this is how it went. She walks, she talks, she crawls on her belly like a reptile. It was the same old line, except for one part. He said, it don't cost no money, you got to pay with your heart. Of these men. You know the same rowdy crowd that was here last night is back again. Well, I went inside and I looked around for a seat. The lights went low and the drums played a beat. And this girl come out dressed in a scarf and a sneeze and she did a little dance that made me weak in the knees she danced just like her back had no bone while the band played a tone they called the main street mom Jumped at least six feet in the air And when I come down That girl wasn't there Oh, Sharon What will you do to these men? You know the same rowdy crowd That was here last night Is back again Come this dude with curly red hair. He had a big bushy beard. And he was built like a bear. He said, "You stop your shouting. There's no more to the show. And if you want to breathe right, you all better 
didn't hang around, I headed straight for the door. But on my way out, I heard that big bear roar. Oh, what do you do to these men? You know the same rowdy crowd that was here last night is back again. Every night that that show played, I was right there. I stayed out of the reach of that mean red bear. And it was just like the man had said in his speech at the start. It was when the carny left town and took a piece of my heart. And I still get a funny feeling deep down in my bones every time I hear a band play that. Yeah.